Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. Episode 6, N64, the history of the Nintendo 64, with me, George, and as always joined by Tom, Super Mario 64, to my Super Man 64. <laughs> How's it going, Tom? I'm alright, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, and the uh, the question that unlocks the rest of the show is, what have you been playing? I've been playing some more days gone. I think we've got a bit of an apology to make uh, mm. with that. Well, we've played more. Obviously. We have played more, a and, lot more. Um, I don't think we beat down on the game that hard. And no, I seems think... seems a strong word, but we've, we've... We weren't in love with the game, were we? No, but I, we were talking about this off the podcast, and I've thought more about this today. Yeah. Is it so eloquent in a way to make you feel so uncomfortable when you're playing it and, and feel, there is no feeling of safety. There is no Deku tree in Days <laughs> Gone. There's no sort of warm um, little village to learn your skills. You're thrown out there in the in in the feral wilds. And yeah. to me, I was looking back, when I first started playing it, I didn't like it because I felt uncomfortable. I felt exposed to every gameplay turn. And that made me nervous, and I think that translated into my feelings towards it when I played it. That's a really good point. Um, I think my problems with it at the start were coming off the bad, well, it's not bad reviews, but like the hype had just suddenly ground to a halt, and yeah. we shouldn't let that affect us too much. We should make our own decisions, but uh, well, yeah, I, I wasn't regardless. overly in love with it when I was playing it, uh, but after getting past that sort of... Uh, Nine ten hour mark. I really enjoying it now. Yeah, the story's really picked up. Um, got to a different area, uh, which Should we let the, the listeners we, know which area that is. Uh, so you go south on the map. Yeah, um, there's another camp there, and the the story really kicks into gear. Uh, feel a lot lost, more the Lost Lake area as we, it is. We yeah, feel where the game uh, finds its feet, and um, it. There's a, there's a couple of moments we've both talked about that are really good. We're not going to spoil them for you. We hope you enjoy them when you get to them as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's really changed my opinion of it. I mean, I'm still not going to go crazy and give it a, a 9 or a 10 out of 10. I think Oof, I'd give see, it an 8. I'm inching towards a 9 every single time I play it more. I've not been um, I've not been on the PS4 this week as much as I'd like. Yeah. Um, but... When I have been on it, I've been playing Days Gone, and it was one of those moments where that feeling of dread dropped when I stumbled across a horde for the sort of second time. And yeah, I've it, still it, not got the bottle to to try and take one of those on yet. I just kind of I kind of sit around the outskirts, peeking, going, "I'm going to get well, one." No, nope. um, and then leg it on the bike. In the on the map, there's one. Uh, there's a Nero checkpoint near, uh, like a rail area <laughs> and, a, and a lake, and. Um, I went up there and I took the mic set, the speakers. We always call the mics on this show. I don't know why they're speakers. Uh, I took the mics out, or thought I did, and snuck round, felt really <laughs> stealthy. Uh, and I popped over the brow of this little hill and saw more freakers, as they're known in this game, than I've seen at any point in time in the game. Yeah. Uh, and I went round feeling all cocky, started <laughs> up the generator I'd left. One of those speakers oh, shot no. down there and a whole horde came round me. I got trapped in the Nero checkpoint. I had to keep <laughs> redoing it. My bike was literally in the middle of this swarm as well. It was it was a joyous experience, but at the same time, 
we talked about this off air, but dying in this game, it's very much like The Last of Us. You don't want to die. Yeah, you really want to survive. Yeah, You really want to survive. Another thing I'm enjoying is the upgrades on my bike. It feels like a real sort of bit of a... Uh, an off-roader now mixed with a mixed with a, a cruiser, which is, I guess, what Mine's the bike is. edging towards being almost a little bit too quick for my gaming skills. <laughs> there was a point where, you know, the upper speed, you could just hold the hold the trigger down yeah. and just absolutely blast through very little adjustments. And I do like the way they feathered that throttle onto the uh, right trigger. When, you, when uh, you're it, it, when you're in the flow with that game, and we haven't, I haven't got the upgraded shocks yet, but yeah. you come off a crest of a hill, yeah, and you. Uh, you know, you move Stack your it. move your bike. Well, you move your bike or your position <coughs> on the bike in the air, and then you sort of come down. Um, really, really cool. Feels you know you feel connected to it. Um, well, I did actually I, hear an interview where loads of um, employees from Sony Bend went and bought similar motorbikes oh, okay. for use in their own personal private yeah. time, so they could really refine the whole. You can field. definitely see the love for uh, Oregon in there and, and the way it's replicated. I got to uh, an area where it snows and experienced like the real time oh. like weather effect was Did awesome. You see it like slowly building up on your clothes. And if you're on the bike, obviously it's building up on your legs like really quick as it would in real I've life. I've got some really fantastic. Great, um, I've been deep in photo mode and there's one where the snow's landed on uh, on the ground and it's formed that like almost shiny crystalline. No need for the graphic enhancer on those sort of quality Nothing. graphics. It looks. I've took loads of shots. I mean, it's probably one of those times where you feel like you know, David Bailey. You're lying on the digital floor <laughs> and you're taking shots of this guy. And like, oh yeah, so impactful means so much to me. The last time I went in the uh, photos folder on the PS4 was in a desperate attempt to try and find more space on the hard drive. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll go back there at a moment in time and it'll be a joyous experience. It's nice but... to have the photo mode, isn't it? Just to appreciate the graphics sometimes. Just... I, used it, I used it a fair bit on God of War and Red Dead Redemption too. Sometimes uh, in to... games it just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah. Just to have a little play. Again, like photos we take on our real life cameras, we don't ever really often that look at them. If uh, any of the listeners have got... Any sort of great screenshots, we'd love to sort of see him oh, if he can uh, yes. direct messages. Yes, yes, please. On Tom, uh, on social media, he can't hold himself back this week. He's like a he's like a dog on the leash. He's been in all day. The owners come home, let him out. He's <laughs> nipping at the door. He can't hold himself. Yeah, back. you can uh, post some of those on uh, direct messages on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you can also can they reach us on the with uh, picture messages? What on the email? Yeah. Tom, it's 21st century. It's probably, I don't know what century it is. Whatever century it is, that's totally doable. Excellent. They I'm not DM a tech us, man. They can email us. Questions out on official control. The green screen. Com. Computers, as far as I go, really. Well, you talk of the green screen. I checked in with mum. She's not been putting the pounds in the meter. Oh, damn. So we've only got three, <laughs> uh, well, I stand corrected. Four little bits of news. Interesting. Um, and Tom, what if I told you, well, hang on a minute, before we start, the immortal preamble. We scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. Tom, first up, what if I told you that for $4.99 a month, you could play Peggle? Possibly. I would be asking, what is Peggle and, and uh, 
who's that made by? Cheeky little uh, EA um, game launched way back in the day. Uh, Electronic Arts is bringing the EA Access service to PS4, which offers early access trials to new games and a slew of existing games as part of the vault to PlayStation 4 this July, broke the publisher on Tuesday. EA Access for PS4 will cost $4.99 a month or $29.99 annually, the same price as the existing EA Access service on the Xbox One. A full list of games is yet to be confirmed, but PS4's EA library may be slim, and the chances are we won't have access to Peggle on PS4. Sad. I think that uh, this this is obviously a, a, a lot of manufacturers or publishers. Obviously, we've seen the big three foist-up marketplaces and pay-to-stream game services and... Yeah. EA feels they're capable of joining the the ranks and they've thrown themselves up there. I think four ninety nine a month's a bit steep. Absolutely, for the PS4 yeah. owners. I mean the I Xbox think um, guys, the sw- I can maybe get it, but you compare that to like the Switch online, which don't get me wrong, is not great. There's that's got some problems, but you're talking about a major online service. Yeah, and this is like a streaming service. Are they going to be offering like back catalogue games from their well, previous that's, that's library? The vault, that would, that would but, be fantastic. Yeah, but because the PlayStation 4's the first PlayStation to run on this more normal hardware configuration, the back catalogue starts at the PS4 for the PS4's vault, as far as I can that's, find out. Yeah, that's no good. I'm talking like. Well, that's right I'm, back in the day. Well, if you pay the money on Xbox four ninety nine a month, you can play Peggle. Great. I had to browse through. <laughs> We've like EA have got some great games. I'm sure this would be a great way of accessing the the title we but covered that just a few weeks steep. ago. The the Star Wars game. Yeah. But it seems it's a lot another of money. monthly subscription. So we've all got our uh... saying that. Saying that. Hang on. Devil's Advocate. Twenty nine ninety nine annually. That's true. If How you compare that to price FIFA? of the game, yeah. Are you going to get FIFA bundled in with this? Probably. Oh, so you mean like when FIFA launches, it the will be one. a bit yeah. like the Xbox has done with uh, Forza and Sea of Thieves? I, again, we need more details. Yeah. I know it, that's how it works. So we don't know if it's like the brand new first party, like EA's core, yeah, core you get, games. You kind of you get a sniff of those from what I can work out. Yeah. Interesting, but a little bit steep, we're thinking. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, do you want me to read off with this one? Another hot bit of news yeah hit, hit us up with this next bit of news you didn't let me down we let each other down xbox news and a report over on GameSpot, a game we neglected to mention last week amongst many i'm ah, sure yeah. but the uh the cancellation of scalebound the bayonetta developer platinum games action rpg scalebound was one of the biggest news stories of 2017 microsoft the games publisher took a lot of the heat about the cancellation but Platinum boss Atasushi Inaba says Platinum is to blame as well. Great pronunciation on his name. Do, do you know what? I just surfed you through. You nailed that one. Oh, slipped out Good the stuff. other end. Looking again, as always, we're silky smooth. And then whenever we've done, it's almost like, mummy, mummy, come and watch me jump. Yeah, and, and then the next, the next jump, you broke your leg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Off to no, I broke my leg. Uh, both and, and like a grown-up, <laughs> we talk of Mumsy. Let's look here at the grown-ups here, Mister Atasushi and uh, and the guys down at Xbox have just 
been very grown up about this, and they're saying that they failed each other. The game didn't do all the things we needed it to do as a developer, he says. He went on to say it wasn't easy to watch fans yell at Microsoft over Scalebound's cancellation. The reality is, he says, when any game is in development, it can't get released because both sides failed. I think there are areas where we could have done better, and I'm sure there are the areas that Microsoft, as a publishing partner, wish they could have done better too, because nobody wants to be cancelling a game. The studio head said Platinum learned a lot of painful lessons from Scalebound's cancellation, and these lessons have helped the studio grow. Neither Microsoft nor Platinum have said why Scalebound was cancelled, but Inaba acknowledged that the game might have been announced too early in development. Now that's something that we hear of quite a lot, Tom. A game gets announced and, you know... Yeah, it does seem to happen uh, every so often. Elder Scrolls and uh, Bethesda seem to be uh, ones of recent memory where they've like announced that they're working on a game that's set to be announced to be, you know, Elder Scrolls yeah. Six. We're working on it. No more news. Mm-hmm. No doubt, we're not going to hear anything for a long time. It's yeah. And and Scalebound, I missed all of that kerfuffle. So I I about? still had the Xbox One at that point, so I was really interested in it. It looked right on my street. I'm a big fan of Platinum Games. Uh, and um, it yeah got cancelled and it was it's pretty gutting really because uh, again it was a a big title to look forward to exclusively on Xbox and mm-hmm. it's one that's gone what away. What was the just refine for me and the listeners just to the uninitiated break down to me what sort of game scale bound was? It's like layer but good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like, it's, it's it's a similar like layer. You you have a dragon oh, and you can God. you can ride it round and you can go around on foot as well. A third person oh, action adventure. Right. You see, I always saw it more of as a monster hunter style, but it was. It looked of... quite similar. Did uh, you fight monsters in it, or did you just ride around on this dragon? Uh, but no, but I believe there were baddies, other monsters in it. Yeah, as we call. Them I only saw like the main reveal trailer, and then um, kind of obviously kept me on it a little bit. And then the next thing you know, it's cancelled. But I, I do wonder whether anyone will uh, pick that up or whether Microsoft will pass it on. I think sometimes when it's in development and they're really not happy with it, they probably will just scrap well, it there, fully. There was a little bit of talk on the green screen about the Switch maybe picking up a copy, but apparently... Oof, I don't know where it'd run that. Well, Although it surprises... down, scale-bound yeah, yeah. might just work <laughs> out, but I, from what I could understand, it was... Uh, scale down bound Eastbound and down. <laughs> Why Black Bay? <laughs> Loaded up and trucking. Uh, Tom. Um, moving on. Moving on. Uh, what you got? What you got to tell me? Uh, Dante set to make you cry all over again on the Switch. Uh, Dante is coming to play on the Switch. Capcom has revealed that their very first Devil May Cry is coming to the platform sometime this summer. Uh, so no official release date. The announcement didn't mention whether this will be a straight port of the PS2 original or based on the more recent HD collection we received. Devil May Cry has never been on a Nintendo platform. Uh, it's Suno told VG 24-7. So it seems like the first thing to do would to be get Capcom to put Devil May Cry 1 on a Nintendo platform in some way, shape or form, whatever game that might be. Uh, listeners, do does this also mean we might see Dante jump into the battle on Smash Brothers? Uh, keep your eyes peeled this uh, may be where you heard it first you know chucking out little nuggets like that Tom is what's going to make you famous on the internet as some sort <laughs> of like you know internet news clairvoyant guru, gaming guru a <laughs> um, few more spaces set to be confirmed um, could well happen yeah um, it would be strange if uh, 
It does look like it is Devil May Cry 1 only. Are you going to get all misty-eyed and PS2 reminisce and, and pick that up on the Switch? Um, I mean, no. I've, not with having five. It's kind of... You're lacking some good games on that machine. On the Switch? Mm. I don't know. We just seem to get like so many ports of everything. It's another discussion for another day, but yeah, we'll yeah, go into that um, another day. That's a, that's more, a rabbit more hole. More importantly, though, Devil May Cry still stands <clears> up. I mean, I've played it recently on PS2 and had a cracking time with it. But the thing is, having played 5 is like a refinement of, of all the other games and the gameplay is so tight and precise. Let's Graphically, say, let's, it looks let, amazing. Let's just Going back to 1 is going to... Let's just extrapolate this back a moment. Tom seen Last Jedi. It's as, good as, it's as good as it can get as far as effects is concerned. The story's fresh. It's got all the, the hip moments and beats that we need. Tom doesn't ever need to watch New Hope again. It's a good comparison. I see what you're trying to say. Come on. You know, yeah. That first game, it's that the vibes when you're playing it. The history behind the fact that it was meant to be like Resident Evil 4 before it got canned and removed yeah. and other bits and bobs. That's a pretty cool game. You know... Again, they've brought out a new roller coaster. Well, I'm not riding the old one anymore. <laughs> I think they should have just put the collection on there. What's the... It's available on so many others, and it's not like the Switch can't run Devil May Cry 4. You're thinking like a customer. You're not thinking like a businessman. <laughs> he gives you one today. Awesome. He gives you the collection today. Hang on a minute. If he gives you the collection, there's no more biscuits to give. If he lets you nibble on one, and then three months later lets you nibble on two... Then three months later, you can have a gorge yourself on three. Dirty. Hey, I'm just saying. Just telling it how it like, like it is. That's how Lucas would do it. <laughs> He'd have some merch. Dante Tom, plush. I guess that's it for news. No. There's more Overwatch news. Oh my goodness. There's I'm more... sorry, I can't help myself. There's more ham here than a butcher's front window. Overwatch's Havana map is now live. Oh my goodness. Uh, the Overwatch patch one. Point three five point one point one. It's now <laughs> <laughs> speaking in Morse code. There uh, is now live, and that means grab your shades and cigars. We're going to Havana, the capital wow. city of Cuba, and also the location of the game's newest escort map, which is now off the PTR and in full rotation. Uh, I haven't played it myself yet. I'm looking forward to trying that out. Call yourself a fan of Overwatch? I think well, it's, it's, it's random maps you see. So oh, I don't this, get to experience you know. it all the time. Um, Baptiste, here's what players Baptiste have to look forward to pleased. on their adventures in the famed city of Columns. Begin your trip at the Tala de Sebastian, where the classic cars that line Havana's bustling streets stop for refueling and repair. Let me, let me just pull up a seat, because this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Escort a truck of rum barrels on the sun-drenched cobblestone roads, fighting off those who try to stop you as you make your way Duck into colourful building to escape enemy fire and savour the impressive flavours of Havana at La Cocina de Miranda or Café de Sol. Battle your opponents through the alleys until you reach the Don Rubotico Rum Distillery, a once little-known local treasure that has recently earned international acclaim. Finally, guide the jalopy through the distillery to its destination at the Havana Seafort, a historical landmark recently purchased by an anonymous financial group and closed to the public. I'm sure to someone out there, the Overwatch fanboy, who pulled themselves nearer to the speaker so they could get a little <laughs> bit more of this info, they've just... Their heads have just exploded. I Not know. only is the wonderful globetrotting Overwatch <clears throat> recently included the Baptician, 
the Haitian Haitian. I mean, every week I stumble over my own lips, and once again I've done it. Fallen. Uh, they now bring in Hanafana map, where, where you can presumably <laughs> drive a jalopy through a, di- a distillery <laughs> to its, de- its destination at the Havana Seafort. And not only that, but more information, we find out that it's a historical landmark that's been recently purchased by anonymous financial group. There's, there's, they're trying to the make the story there, and a lot of the real hardcore fans are probably going to tell me there's graphic novels and comics and all sorts of ways we can read more into it, but... Please give us a proper story campaign mode in that game. It would be great. Would it even... What? I don't think it would actually mean anything, though, would it? It would to the fans. Ah, okay. to the fans. Yeah, right. I'm just so disconnected. Every time I say I hear you talk Overwatch, like I say, I'm like, wow, we can speak another language. I'm so proud. He <laughs> <laughs> just keeps rolling out this Overwatch news. So the question is... And Did we miss anything? Damn sure we must have. Uh, but do we have an, did they have an opinion on the news, the listeners, or something oh, we might have missed? Whoa! One one little thing. What we got? We've got a state of the play, a state of play oh. for the PlayStation tomorrow evening. Yes. Uh, it's going to be roughly about ten minutes long, uh, focusing on medieval remake. Yes. So we and uh, another game. Like we don't know what that game is. It Ooh. might be VR, PSVR. It might be a. Uh, a sort of exclusive first party new IP. We don't know. We're not going to hype it too much because the last one was okay. I don't think it, it deserved okay. a lot of the hate it got. Why don't we? Why don't we segue off here? Unless something absolutely unbelievable happens outside of the PlayStation ecosystem, we should say that we're maybe going to do a feature next week. Be the state of play, and we can look at both of them <clears> independently <throat> and together. See where that's taken us to. Yeah, see, see sort of where Sony want to go with this thing. It is very similar to uh, the Nintendo Directs, and I think they work quite well. So, uh, Agreed. Yeah, we'll, I enjoyed we'll, we'll that might have one. I mean, there was I some did, nice yeah. surprises yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean, you're a big uh, VR fan and, and supporter, so it was good to see quite a few Huge. of... Uh, well, I saw... I was talking to you, wasn't I, at the same time it was on, and you were loving No Man's Sky VR. No Man's Sky VR, I mean, that, for me, is... <laughs> that is just a new life in, in the I VR I was thinking world. this the other day, I was, I was watching some gameplay footage on, just on YouTube, every now and then, I, I don't know why, instead of turning the game on and playing it, I turn on YouTube and watch someone else play it. But I was just it's watching. a funny world we live in, isn't it's it? It's a strange modern world that we live in. I'm not gonna, I don't feel like playing We like talking about games and watching game. games more than we enjoy playing them sometimes. But while, while this certain player... And let's, let's give them a shout-out, because I've enjoyed the No Man's Sky journey with them uh, when I've been able to play it uh, and when I've not been able to play it because I've been away or whatever. Uh, L Plays Gaming on YouTube. You've, gotta, you've got to... You've got to look that up. He does these very, like, fun... Uh, narrations over the gameplay but he's so invested in that universe and and you can tell when you hear his videos and he's done one recently where it was his last dive into the No Man's Sky world before the changes came and he was saying it as I was thinking it he just was saying things like this would be great in VR and this would be great in VR and there's so many sub-genres of that game you can have under the water base that in VR would be amazing in its own yeah. you can be in space I had a on my save I've got a base on a moon 
that's like completely airless moon and you go outside of your base and it's all barren and I've got a little mining operation going on there. And I that's... think it's a game you'd like to talk more about in a retrospective one oh, day, isn't it? Definitely. Once we've finally got everything for the package that's when it's finally released, all the bits and bobs and the updates. All Maybe a together. VR review even. And we can look back all the way through the history of No Man's Sky in yeah. the feature. I think that would be incredible. You need to get it first. <sighs> this endless list of games you give me to play. I'm oh, just saying. Uh, so, if there's any news that we've missed or bits and bobs they want to get in touch with us, Tom, how would they do that? Uh, you can reach us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com uh, with an email. Which Still got to roll his sleeve up to read you, that tattoo. <laughs> you can insert a picture on an email, I believe, which is excellent news. Yes, you can. Yeah, the modern technology. And what other uh, mediums can they They can uh, reach us on Twitter or Instagram just by direct messaging us yes. or comment on any of our posts, which would be uh, really grateful of. And we must say, we are, as always... Super grateful for the interaction that we've had. We have. We've had a fair bit this week. Haven't yeah, we? nice. we've had some really great stuff. So we'll just, get to that in in the show. Before we launch into the meat, and the meat of the, the show, the feature, the N64, the history, um, it would be nice just to segue off and say thank you for all the support and the shares of the show and the reviews yeah. and other bits and bobs. It's nice to see it growing and, a bit. And the interaction and we're hopefully you listen back in for your interactions here and that encourages more. We've got um, people's thoughts and ideas for the N64 history section. And they've also chimed in. Stingray's been making house calls again, Tom. Oh, so we've got uh, listeners' pickups to come before the man himself arrives at the bunker front door. We enjoy seeing all those pickups because there's stuff in there, games you like, little hidden gems you forget about. And you're like, oh, I played that. How good was that? Or you see something you've got yourself. and I mean, one of those was um, like, I saw the picture and I was like, I bought that and I was so hyped when I got it. Oh, yes. Well, we'll get to that, won't we? Yeah, because that's, I know, again, that's too excited. We'll so, get well, to that. Tom, before we get so excited and redo the show in reverse order, which would be, you know, probably not, uncall- not uncommon for a couple of uh, yokey jokey guys like ourselves. Yeah. But uh, the people turned up, they've pushed to the front, they've heard this announced on all the social medias, and they, they've waited through the orders, which is what you've been playing. They've munched gently on the starter, which was the, the news. news. And now they want to, before they start to have the palate cleanser and the dessert, which is Stingray's boot, what's the main course, Tom? Uh, the main course this week is N64 feature. Ooh. Um, which is going to be a look back at the Nintendo 64. This is fascinating. So, uh, Console that's sh- close to both of our hearts, I yeah. should say. I'll uh, kick us off with a few facts. Oh, so, great. It was uh, released in Japan on June the 23rd in 1996, North America on September 26th, 1996, um, EU March 1st, 97, Australia March 1st, 97. Got it at the same time as the Aussies, mate. Yeah. Uh, the lifespan roughly lasted 96 to 2002. I'm sure there's lots of us still playing it out there. Lots of us still playing those classic games. Um, it sold 32.93 million worldwide, uh, 5.5 million in Japan, 20 million in um, in the Americas, uh, 6.75 million in Europe and Australia. So it was a big seller in the Americas, wasn't it? Well, it seemed to do the they, they, bulk of its legwork yeah. there, didn't it? Um, its best-selling game was Super Mario 64, 
uh, which sold 11.62 million copies as of May 21st, 2003. So that was the last time that stat was recorded. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the sort of the N64 summed up as a as an obituary there. That's uh, you know, <laughs> tied on its toe are those rather sobering numbers um, compared to you know the Wii the, era, the Wii yeah, and or, the DS, or, the, or you know the PS2, which holds 150 yeah. consoles sold. Yeah. You look there and you think, "Crikey, 32.93." Now that's obviously interface there with the word million at the end of it, which yeah, you know, th- th- still pretty impressive. Still pretty impressive, but the N64 probably not finding as much traction and probably no. starts the the questionable phase in Nintendo's awkward teen years where it stumbles from the N64 to uh, the GameCube and then blindly flops into the Wii out of desperation more than anything else. But the Nintendo 64 is it's their last traditional console, what with it being con- with a cart and all. Yeah. And the, um, you know, the four controller ports. I know the GameCube had that, but the GameCube had moved to disc. So it yeah. was a, the first sort of step away from the the two consoles that had come before. So the N64 was like that bridging gap. It's strange it had so many like great forward-thinking ideas but kept the cartridge. Like the controller was... Yeah, I mean, that, we'll get to some of these things. Yeah, we'll things. get to that. But that that run with the cartridge certainly did hamper it in the days of, yes, of absolutely. CD audio soundtracks. There's and, something I'll bring up about the cartridge and uh, well, CD differences further on. Tom, but let's take a seat in the back of Stingray's car... Let's take a sip on an out-of-date McDonald's Coke I found on the floor. <laughs> and let's hit the flux capacitor and let's head way back. Now, take us back to 93. No, take us back to 93. The sounds, the smells. The SNES was riding high. Obviously, we've got Donkey Kong Country come out. Everyone's thinking, oh my God, can graphics get a bit any better? <laughs> we've got Jurassic Park's just been out. CGI's all in the news. There's TV shows like Games Master and Bad Influence talking up the talking the current wave of consoles, Mega Drive snares, but also dropping little snippets and features and sniffs. There's no social media. There's no social media, so it's all gossip in magazines and yeah. movies, games, and sat videos, on the school bus home reading break, the magazines, looking at all the titles coming out. Johnny Heard, blah blah. No blah, idea so. when they're coming out either. Nothing, and like suddenly just... some news breaks through this name. Codename Project Reality. It's it was a joint venture between Silicon Graphics and Nintendo beginning in nineteen ninety three. Jim Clark of Silicon Graphics met with Nintendo CEO Hiroshi Yamuchi in early nineteen ninety three, thus initiating Project Reality on August twenty third. The two companies announced a global joint development and license agreement surrounding Project Reality, projecting the yet unnamed eventual project would be developed specifically for Nintendo, will be unveiled in arcades for 94 and be available for home use by late 95, below $250. Now, that was the announcement that uh, they announced at the Shoshanki trade show in 93. No doubt I've literally just committed complete genocide <laughs> on all those uh, Japanese names. Um, now, that's a lot of talk, but let's break that down. You're a kid on the school bus... You read that Nintendo's done a deal with the developer of the machine that made the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and your mind just runs wild with the ideas of what that might be. Now, I know looking back, we're thinking, 
we were a country mile away from Jurassic Park on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the bulk idea of what that was got got simmered down. Now, Jurassic Park was a big name at the time, and the I we we were in that crossover place. It was a strange place because the Mega CD was out. 32X was you out. Yeah, the PlayStation 1. The PlayStation 1 had just come out. So mm. we were in like this sort of strange crossover phase where the granddaddy, the granddaddy of them all was late to the party but was bringing with Extra it... Extra horsepower. The bigger boys. The bigger boys. Been up coming. the top of the street, <coughs> acting <coughs> all big, told the bigger boys to come to the party, silicon graphics pulled on the b-ball pumps and came down. Yeah. So then what? Uh... On June 23rd, 1994, the bigger boys turned up and Nintendo announced the new official name of the still-unfinished console as Ultra 64. The first group of elite developers selected by Nintendo was nicknamed the Dream Team. So this included Silicon Graphics Inc., Alias Research Inc., Software Creations, Rambus Inc., Multigen Inc., Rare Limited, oh, the boys. Yeah, finally showed And Rare Coin at Toys and Games. Um... Acclaim Entertainment, Williams Entertainment. Uh, Paradigm Simulation. Paradigm. Mm, interesting Inter- word. Yeah. Spectrum, Spectrum Holobyte. Yeah. DMA Designs, Angel Studios, Ocean, Time, War- Time Warner Interactive and Mindscape. I suppose in 1994, if you're putting together what they refer to as the Dream Team, you've got names in there such as Rare, Williams Entertainment, Spectrum Holobyte. DMA design, we all know what became of them. If if we don't, you know, Rockstar Games, uh, Ocean, obviously at the time, big publisher, lesser known these days, but still should be looked into by our listeners. And maybe one day we'll do an Ocean retrospective, but we're certainly going to have to yeah. take a, a long, hard sip on the coke in the back <laughs> of uh, uh, the Stingray machine because not even that. that that would not. That's a long way back in time. Um, yeah. So the the newly renamed Nintendo sixty four console was fully unveiled to the public in playable form on November 24th, 95. So, yeah, the, the, the codename Ultra 64 got dropped and it thus became Nintendo 64. As we now lovingly yeah. know it and affectionately refer to it as. Um, um, at the Nintendo 7th Annual uh, Shoshinaki Trade Show, eager for a preview, hordes of Japanese school children huddled in the cold outside... The electricity of the anticipation clearly rippling through the ranks. Um, photos of the event were um, disseminated. disseminated online by Game Zero magazine two days later. Official coverage by Nintendo followed later via the Nintendo Power website and print magazine. I see they have a quite a good podcast. Who's that? Not quite as good as ours, but Nintendo, Nintendo Power Podcast. Oh, right. Um, okay, that might be worth checking out. Yeah. Just that's, and, you know, we, we included that just to try and help the listeners know we are back in time here at this moment, and we're trying to get this information. We can't just go online and yeah. find out what happened at the Shinshinaki Maybe show. in a great time paradox, we gave them the idea for Nintendo Power Podcast when we came back and said... We're from the Unofficial Control Podcast. We're here to research the Nintendo 64. I think you sucked from the wrong... Back to the future cocktail. And I've seen Avengers Endgame too much. Poor old Gandalf. There's absolutely (laughs) no way you should feel that wrath like that. So we've we've clued people in. We've brought people into the moment. Let's let's for a minute, Tom, let's just segue off and, and imagine... The console's out now, as far as our sort of timeline's concerned, and people are getting their mitts on it. Tell me about the first time you got your mitts on it. 
so for me, it was, well, winter 97. Um, I'd seen lots of my friends playing uh, Goldeneye. And just all the talk in, 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 yeah. Was it the Fortnite? Just in awe of it. Was it the Fortnite of this era? <laughs> oh, dirty Fortnite. Yeah, but hang on. It was, yeah, it's a good uh, comparison. Whoa. I see what you're trying to yeah, say with that. It, it, yeah. you know, all the kids wanted it. Yeah. All the ki- and you got it. Yeah. And you were happy with it. So, yeah, I picked it up with, uh, well, it was a present. I didn't pick it up. I wasn't, Let me, I wasn't rocking. What, did you get the console for your birthday? I did, yes. So, just invoke for me the time of year that is. The smells. Did you know it was underneath that wrapping paper, or did you think maybe it was going to be Jurassic Park <laughs> Command Center, or did you were you like, oh my giddy aunt, it's an N sixty four? I was hoping on an N sixty four. That's what I'd asked for. And I was, do you, do I was, you remember uh, back then what the alternative? The euphoria of getting it. What was the possible alternative that was in your mind? That I don't know. Um, probably like some kind of educational. VTech computer or something. My uh, God, I mean, <laughs> you, you're stuck on a tightrope, and to your left is the plunge into the N64 and all of its glorious games. To your right, Tom, is a VTech learning computer. Something like that, yeah. The unrivaled uh, joy that must run through your mind like a split personality. Yeah. It's either VTech or N64. I'm in or I'm out. So yeah, got it with Goldeneye. Paper uh, came off. Yeah, paper came off. Was it new present? Got to be on the big room TV, or was it uh, scurried straight away upstairs? No, see, we had scrubbed? we had like because um, uh, mine and my brother's room was being sort of decorated. We had okay. a we had a setup downstairs in the front room, bizarrely. So we had like a we had a small TV, Can't like lose scurried away. Now you mention it, scurried away in the corner, and then mum and dad were watching the big screen, so and, and we were like. Constantly told to turn it down, so we'd look, plug in a headphone into the headphone jack of the it, TV. Imagine living through that pain now. Mum, Dad watching TV in the corner. You've got your brand new PS4, Xbox One, Switch, whatever it is, lashed up to a 14-inch portable. <laughs> They're asking you to shush down this HD dream machine. Uh, and to be quite honest, looking back, you know, I played through a 14-inch portable. We all did. And now, if you sat a kid down with a 14-inch, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, it, really. Like, yeah, to think like we played it, and and in your head, it looks as good as a PS4 game in your well, memory. Yeah, it does, true. doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, well, the smaller screens probably coming in through an RF lead, which kind of muddied the graphics up a little bit. And that that's the point about the N64, actually. Nintendo decided that the majority of the users would be using the RF cable to connect, the aerial, yeah. you know, the way we used to do it. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, they sort of built into it a feature where they would sort of muddy the outline of the graphics, knowing that it would end up going through an RF lead, which would then sort of anti-alias for them. Which is why when you play the N64 on a modern TV, it looks really janky because it's coming through pure. Right. Nintendo designed that image to be yeah. its best through an RF lead. Yeah. Which, you know, modern day, that's that's a bit bonkers, isn't it? But Oh, yeah. Very, again, for Nintendo, the N64 was a powerful machine of that, we have no doubt. Limited slightly by its lack of a drive, but once again, always thinking outside the box with innovative and cutting-edge ideas to push the machine on or literally change the whole direction of the games industry as they've been able to do through the years with these innovations. The N64 was a cracking bit of kit, Tom. It certainly was. Um, 
Did you know I, that it only launched with two games? Did it really? <laughs> uh, what were those two games? Pilot Wings and Mario 64. Launch. Pretty good titles, really. Very good titles. Um, I'm a big fan of yeah, Pilot Wings. I'd have picked both of those up at launch. Me and you both. Well, would you, though? Because you'd be... That was big books back in the day. Yeah, because they were like £60 a car. Yeah. And I think when it first... I got it when it first launched, and I'm pretty sure there wasn't a pack-in. I think that speaks volumes for like Super Mario 64 was the Breath of the Wild. Oh, uh, yeah, for the definite. For, it... it Pilot Wings, some... though, I mean, coming out at the same time as Mario 64 means it's probably been ignored by a lot of people. Yeah. It's actually a very cool game. Probably in that first year, though, hopefully people picked it up. Um, I th- I think I owned it at one point. Like, I bought a second-hand copy. Um, one of those random pickups that you get where I haven't even got a box and you just get it from a <laughs> car boot sale. So, I put um, a lot of time into it, uh, to be honest. I, yeah. I got the game. Like I say, I got the console at launch or in the launch window for sure. Picked up Super Mario 64. Got a parking ticket, my first one as well from the Sins. <laughs> I, I'd just been really poorly. and I'd had uh, glandular fever. I took some time off work. Been really poorly when I was just about getting myself able to sit up in bed. I thought, I know what I'll do. I've been <laughs> off. I've got some money stacked up. I'll go get an N64. So I, I drove to Lincoln, parked in what I thought would be an appropriate place on a Saturday, blatantly on double yellows. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, the hype, hype train was real. You, know? I just you, don't, you don't see the yellow line. I know. You, do, you just see Pierce Brosnan doing sort of judo chops to the neck and silenced pistols excited listeners. and, and, and <laughs> sniper rifles in the snow. <laughs> Jumping up and down on uh, his chair. Odd job in multiplayer. Um... <laughs> Who's that bizarre character as well? Did they have Mayday in there? Um, I think that, yeah, I think they did. What's Grace her name? Jones. Grace Jones. Uh, I think the only thing that could make you happier now, if I screwed across some May 4 paper and some crayons and you started doing a, a GoldenEye drawing. Yeah, if listeners want to see that. For Mumsy. Yeah. Uh, before, <laughs> let's move this forward before she Golden comes. GoldenEye artwork. And knocks on the door and brings us our nighttime milk and our blankets. Uh, it came out in 1996, as we talked about. The initial shipment of 300,000 units sold out on the first day. Nintendo successfully avoided repeat the Super Famicom launch day pandemonium uh, and used a wider retail network, which included convenience stores. The remaining 200,000 units of the first production run shipped on 26th and 30th of June, respectively, with almost all of them reserved ahead of time. Thoroughly, you know, it, Through the window of the time we're looking at, thoroughly successful launch, one would imagine. Yeah, You've got the product out there. It's, it's it's in and invested in people's homes. They've picked up two great titles to keep them busy on the way out the door. Uh, like I say, I, my launch experience with Super Mario 64 blew my mind. Uh, I drifted out of the magazines a little bit, but I'd seen some adverts on TV. I wanted the game. Got home and I was just blown away by it. the interactivity compared. What you got to remember is we were going from SNES and, and PlayStation through to Mario, and it was like the full implementation of the ideas. On the PlayStation 1, your 3D platformers, really, they were just sort of on-rails jump games, almost like infinite I, runners. Like Crash Bandicoot was a 3D <coughs> platformer. It could be argued. Yeah, but it, but was it, was, it didn't have that free-roam element of... Mario 64 um, was yeah. like, whoa. Like when you first jumped through that painting, it was like, what yeah. is happening? Yeah, these graphics are incredible. There was nothing else to liken it to. Um, that controller as well. Um, first introduction of the analog stick. 
Um, controller is. It's got its fans and it's got its haters, but. No, it's nothing like that controller at the time as well. That, that first time I played Mario and it was kind of like and, um, push it a little bit to walk or or yeah. or, or, or you know tiptoe. You didn't get that on the D pad, did you? Not at all. And then this is why I think a digital guy like me who grew up on hold down right and push up sometimes struggles on analog stealth games because when I want to go forward, I just hammer the stick go all fast. the way forward. I don't know any in between, so. It's always been a little bit of an issue for me. And we, we've talked, haven't we, about the way it worked with Goldeneye. It felt like you were holding like a gun handle with a trigger underneath the controller. It's not... When you look at the controller, it looks more like three bananas in a, <laughs> in a bundle, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Than anything that rec- that you would recognise as a gaming controller, especially the first time you see it. And in the multiples of colours that it did, they even did a yellow one. So it was, you see this thing and you pick it up. And it must have been Donkey this? Kong related, that yellow one. Yeah, I think it was. And... The way the like I say, it looks like it's just three bananas applied on the floor. But when you <laughs> when you pick it up and you can hold it sort of middle and right, left and right. Yeah, there's a few options, wasn't the, there? The little different horns and you know the way you could hold it in No Mercy versus the way you held it in Goldeneye, like you say. And it was such an innocent looking thing, but as soon as you picked it up with that Z trigger, you felt right for first person yeah. shooters, didn't it? And yeah, it did. That's what lent. Uh, itself to Goldeneye and enjoying that so much is subconsciously you felt like you were more invested in the I game. I remember having a few friends who had sort of PC back then and, and they sort of picked up Goldeneye and were like, wow, that's the first time I've played like a, a shoot 'em up like that where it's actually felt like the mouse and keyboard. Or or as close to for the accuracy and, and such things. Yeah. To, to make it, it feel a bit more I think initial pick up and play you can get straight into it and it's got that great yeah. pick up and play. I think you'd be hard pushed to set as a refined as a mouse and keyboard setup, but you know, from what we've had to what we got, yeah, it was a great solution. It was, it was. Um, I think uh, the Rumble Pack as well um, really added a little bit to it. it. It weighed a lot on the back of that uh, controller. It did, and I don't think when I every time I've used one on different controllers all through time. When you go just with the, the normal fit, plug it in the bottom of the controller as is there was there one, mm. it didn't ever fit properly and it, it just sort of shook around in the bottom of the... Yeah. When you have a vibrating a modern controller, the whole thing vibrates in your hands. So what I did was I took a piece of Nintendo official magazine and wedged it in with the <laughs> uh, rubber pack at the same time and that was made the snug sort of tight enough, the fit sort of fit tight enough that the whole pack vibrated. Instead of it just being a wobbly thing at the bottom of the pad, yeah, which I think was more what they were going for, but they must have shaved a few thousands of an inch off to make it so it felt more easy to click in for the uninitiated. Because I think if you that extra width of a magazine page is enough to make it feel very tight, but I would rather it was very tight and it made it worked as it was meant to work. Because yeah, it launched with Star Fox sixty four, and that game probably. M- like links. Oh, it came bundled with that. Okay, didn't yeah, it? you got yeah. a big box version of it. Yeah, it came with a rumble pack in there. Great game. Yeah, really good game. And the other game that used it, I always remember it being quite useful and innovative in um, Ocarina of Time. It would like yeah, it rumbled when yeah. and it did various other things and sort of grounded you in the world. So when you made a hit, it reverberated. Well, back. It's, it's another, it's another thing that's been. Replicated time and time again, as and, and we still see we still see it still today. Still controls um, today. I mean, yeah. All those innovations really are, are there. Yeah, and there's the bumpers. You could argue 
It's a bit muddy, isn't it? But the N64 controller certainly one that. Will well, you look out like you you brought you brought the crosshair up in in GoldenEye it was one of the bumpers, it was and that I mean bumper. that's that's just everywhere now, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's it's a lot more refined. It's it is a lot different now, but that was the the groundwork for it. And also, they utilised that same function on the pad for. A lot of the first party games came with batteries built in them, so you didn't need to worry about a, a, a save pack. And obviously, I don't think I had an official one. I had a third party, unofficial controller version that sort of slotted in, but that enabled you to make saves in other games and backups that didn't have a battery pack up inside. Yeah, like the memory card. Yeah, um, I think obviously PlayStation kept its memory card in the machine, but Dreamcast followed suit and made it yeah, so plug the, the memory controller. card into that. And so did original Xbox. Ah. If you remember, it did. Yes. Yes. It had two, two slots on the back. It did for memory cards. Yeah. So again, it had a hard drive, but it felt the need to put the memory card functionality on the panel. Mm. It was, it was good in a way because you could then take that memory card round to your friends, load up all your creator wrestlers that you'd made of some yeah. abominations that you'd like. Overstated, and so he can just absolutely demolish <laughs> As always, your friend. Tom We're like, oh yeah, like yeah, no, I've not upgraded the stats of promise, and then you're pulling off like a swamped on bomb off the top rope in, after about two minutes of uh, oh, fighting. Oh, what a bad loser, Tom. <laughs> we, the N64 was certainly not a bad loser. It was a winner in most people's eyes. One of those winning situations was the fact that Nintendo had managed to bundle along into the Nintendo 64 ecosystem. Rare. Now, yeah, the great powerhouse like developer back in the day. The powerhouse developer Rare stood atop the N64. You can't say N64 or Nintendo 64 without saying Rare. Famous for the Golden Ice that came out and obviously in the, in the launch window and got people clued into the system. Do you want to run me through some of the games they, they dropped out for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... They kicked it off in 96 with uh, Killer Instinct Gold. Um, they followed that up with Blast Core in uh, 97. Then, of course, came GoldenEye in 97 as well. Diddy Kong Racing in 97. They, wow, they're churning out the games then. The unbelievable amount. The yeah. weight which they dropped out classic titles, it, it you know, yeah. bends the mind. Um, 98 saw Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Um, Jet Force Gemini 99, also Donkey Kong 64 and 99. I mean, they were two pretty big games. Uh, in, in terms of, like, hours, it's oh, all to yeah, complete. Um, and then uh, their last title on there was Perfect Dark in No, it wasn't, though, was it? Was it not? No, because they, their last title was Conker's Bad Fur Day, and they also managed to sneak out Banjo-Tooie. Of course. Yeah, I never played the sequel. Yeah. So we look at those those names. Let those names just ring through the listeners' brains a little bit. Some of those names on there, even the casual fan will recognise, like GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo-Kazooie. But we look again, Killer Instinct Gold, great fighting game. Yeah, um, on the SNES, made it onto the N64, they, and still around. They kind of covered day. all the bases of different genres of video games, didn't they? Blast Corp's fascinating title. I encourage you to look it out. Either get it on a cart to play, or yeah. if you've got it in your collection, get it out, or go find some footage of it. It's a really innovative title. 
GoldenEye 007, we don't need to say much more about that, do we? I mean, no. it's absolutely shatteringly brilliant. Diddy Kong Racing, doing with the Donkey Kong I, family, a, a great turn on Mario Kart. See, I preferred it to Mario Kart because, again, I picked up Mario Kart second hand, but I, before that, I owned Diddy Kong Racing. It just felt it's not like. not sitting on the fence today, this no, is no. it? Um, wow. It just had more options because you had like the little hovercrafts, the, the planes, and then um, uh, I'm sure that you had like the carts. Yeah. So there was like three different ways of doing the race. Um, oh, I see. I never. Yeah. You see, I never picked that up because I was. My memory's a little hazy on it, but um, it, at the time and Diddy Kong racing looked a little bit too. Oh no, me and my bro. No, we 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 played that when the bigger boys weren't around, so. It was one of those, like, you own Diddy Kong Racing, you, oh, you oh, right little... Yeah. No, no, that. no, we didn't play that. And Un- then, unbelievable. Joe, get that out of the cupboard, let's be- play be- Diddy Kong Racing. Be- before we go and hide in the cupboard and gaggle around <laughs> Diddy, Kong six, Diddy Kong Racing like a couple of small children hiding from the bigger boys, I want to talk about Jet Force Gemini, one of my best gaming memories on the N64. A rare stroke hidden... See what I've done there. A rare hidden gem. Have you played yeah. it? I did play it, yeah. I don't think I completed it, though. Yeah, it I was a bit beyond why. me. It was, at the time, it was it one of those probably... games that hooked me. You had three characters, and you could go and complete it as all three. The boy, mm-hmm. the girl, and the dog. Was like a, right, yeah, yeah was, there a little, was there a little robot as well that followed you around? That was the dog. Ah, uh, right. The, the robot dog. Yeah. There was no robot. I didn't know. Whether, I seem to remember some flying-like screen. I think the dog could fly. Oh, okay. Well, now you're making me question myself. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and another favourite of mine, Donkey Kong 64. You're not a fan. A lot of people... Oh, I did, I did, I did like it. I just, it's hard. I always found Again, it, really it was one of those difficult. games that I really liked because you, you went through a world and you could see things you couldn't interact with, no matter what you did. Yeah. But then as you played the game, it was like, oh, hang on a minute, that, that's thingy symbol, or that's blah, blah symbol, or... I need to unlock him and then I can go. And then all of a sudden you revisit every single level with every other new Kong that you've got. And then each one of those Kongs gets a new weapon or it was a new unlockable a bit, or it a was, flute or I think he had DJ Dex or whatever it was. It was very odd. Who forgets the, the DK rap as well? DK. <laughs> Look that up DK on YouTube. DK rap. Yeah, I think if, if they're ever going to do anything, if we've ever asked the listeners to do anything, one of the things we've asked them to do is go out there and share the podcast, tell people to send a message to a friend we asked them to just to text them last week and I think it was a little bit random people just getting unofficial control of podcasts sent to them in the text yeah. so what we're asking you this week is grab hold of their phone subscribe leave a review own it and while we're talking of people owning it getting in contact we reached out to the community didn't we Tom we have yeah um, some good feedback on this them to share their N64 memories. Over on Twitter, the aptly named N64 memories um, refers to memories such as playing Mario 64 for the first time in Toys R Us. Ooh, back, back in the day of the demo oh pod. Oh my goodness, that is a special memory. Buying N64 magazine religiously on release, I was the same. Uh, I used to love that official Nintendo magazine. Of all the magazines, Dreamcast official magazine has to be my all-time favourite. But Nintendo official magazine, it was a little babyish. <laughs> you know, you sometimes see those Fortnite magazines now. <laughs> I have to admit, at the time, I was an angsty twenty-year-old. It it was 
sometimes a little bit like, why am I buying this? But then on the same token, when you get in the Nintendo ecosystem and you get all the official stuff, you just feel like wired in, don't you? You feel like Mario, like plugged into yeah. a Japanese 24-7 Takichi's Castle. You just can't get enough of it. <laughs> and N64 Memories obviously can't get enough of it because they've called themselves N64 Memories. They also mentioned the eclectic summer of 98, never going outside, you to play multiplayer GoldenEye. Oh, Tom. That's a great memory, isn't it? Thank you, Wendy. Well, for me, it was perfect. I mean, yeah, I played a lot of GoldenEye N64, but me and my brother played a lot of Perfect Dark um, multiplayer against bots randomly uh, with the X-Ray gun, if anyone remembers that, and just thinking it was the greatest thing ever, getting told by grandparents to get outside and play rather than sit inside with the curtains drawn. They did that Um, earlier on GoldenEye, but let's talk about this. The magical, magical Christmas '98, oh. when they received Ocarina of Time, I think we can all drink some warm milk to that, Tom. I mean, is I, that life at its peak? Ocarina of Time on Christmas '98, it oh, doesn't get much I better. I remember, I remember just so vividly the whole oh, time this is, encapsulated around that Zelda. Yeah, seeing you at Christmas, playing the game. Me coming round, knocking on the door. Uh, I can't get past the great Deku tree. And like, and like a, a tiger. <laughs> oh, how times have changed! Down at an ant. And now the times have changed. I'm like looking at Qui Gon, looking down at Anakin. Can this... you please come round and complete this bit on this game? <laughs> I don't even know what to do. I can't even turn it on. And the shame that I went after that point when you were you were not available at the end of the door. To, to then go and buy a game guide That's for it. That's shocking. I know. You, lo- you, lose, you lose the bigger boy for five minutes and all of a sudden... You had the higher ground and then I just went oh, and got God. the game guide. Tom, the we game got guide. on from the Star Wars special. It was now three episodes ago. You know That material you should have served up then and yeah. you serve it up now. But that's quite good, actually, because let's not forget, and we're going to get down to this, the N64 was home to some great Star Wars titles. It was. If you remember the Podracer games. Yeah. We've mentioned in previous podcasts, but we're going to mention it again because it's that good. Rogue Squadron. Yeah. And also the divisive, but at the time very popular, Shadows of Empire. Yeah. Well, there we go. And that was N64 Memories on Twitter. And Super High Five chimes in over on Insta and he was but a wee lad as he says when he had his first transparent jungle green N64 (laughs) and spent hours with Mario so I'm sure there's some people that would give their left eyebrow for that console right now he spent hours with uh, Mario 64 which he says is his favourite Mario game but didn't like DK64 too much because it was too different to its SNES iterations he also remembers renting more games than he owned and loved Rogue Squadron. So yeah, back in the there? day where you could rent Slipped games. It all in there. When you could rent games, when Star Wars seamlessly. Blockbuster would have a copy of. Um, yeah, probably I'm, I, at some point I would have rented a few N64 games. Can't have enjoyed them that much because I don't so remember N64, them. But... I, I didn't start renting games. I remember my friends renting games, PlayStation games and stuff, and the cases, the yellow and blue cases, the little yeah. half. Yeah. DVD shells that they used to have. But I didn't rent a game, I don't think, until probably the... Did I ever rent a game? That's a question for the ages, Tom, isn't it? Did I ever rent a game? You must have done. I don't think I did. DVDs I rented, games I just tended to buy. 
I was a bit of a bigger boy than you. Yeah, you were. So I was like, "Please, may I have a, a rental of this game?" And I'm going to try Stingray. and com- I'm going to yeah from Stingray. Uh, can, I'm going to try and complete it in a weekend, and then getting frustrated that I couldn't. Uh, but it was a good way of like again, you could. It was almost like demo in the game if you Before really demos, loved it. Yeah, it you really demos, loved it, and it was it? a and a fairly fairly sizable game. You could think, well, well, I played that over the weekend. I've got to take it back. Uh, but I'm going to ask for that for my birthday. Um, good friend video gamecation chimes in. His favourite memory is Goldeneye. Uh, Lex Talk Games shares a story of how the M64 made him realise how much he loved his sister. Uh, my sister was born weeks after I got an N64, says Let's Talk Games. He was obsessed with video games at that age, and his parents asked him how he felt about the new baby. And he replied, she's better than Nintendo. Wow, that's, that's, up, that's up there with uh, I Love You 3000. <laughs> uh, and uh, pronounce... You know, Red I've... Dragon Rius. Wow, check him out. Tom's just... I, I, I was rehearsing that one earlier. For weeks. In the mirror. <laughs> well, tell me about... Red... Like a young Ric Flair. Tell me about Red Dragon Rears. Um He has great memories of staying up for two straight nights playing Ocarina of Time. There's a man. I can, yeah, yeah we can, can all empathise with that. Everyone guy. can empathise with that one, surely. Uh, scouring the game guide, looking... <laughs> spoiling, basically, what was coming up next, but still... Classed as one of my favourite games of all time. And, and there's another uh, one of the A good fans. friend, yeah. Um, Pez 3.5 also remembers countless hours staying up playing Pilot Wings and Ocarina of Time. Uh, Ocarina of Time terrifying him due to the style child's um, appearing. Uh, yeah, raising up out of the ground and that whole like night-day cycle in, in uh, Hyrule Field and, and well, appearing. We're, we're, we're gonna go and the, scre- yeah, the screamers in the town square as well. Horrible things. I mean, again, if you're a, if you're a wee one at the time, um, yeah. to me it was just Nintendo games. Yeah, you, you were like, yeah. More impressionable ones, I should yeah. imagine. It was quite terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Um, and lastly, Joe Player, over on Instagram, says they remember Turok Dinosaur Hunter with love, hails the surreal, realistic graphics, and gives honourable mentions to Mario 64, Banjo and DK 64. Before we launch into our top five, Tom, it's probably no small feat that Shigeru Miramoto had a massive influence on the N64 and the Nintendo library and some of Rare's games. He was kind of producer, executive producer. He was involved across the whole gamut. I think that's his golden era, isn't it? I was going to say, is there a console that better reflects Shigeru Miyamoto's gaming genius? You could argue the maybe N64. the NES, but I think this is like when he's at his... This is when he's... It was a coming-of-age title, Yeah. I think. And this, the, he arrives here and the graphics suddenly are capable of realising his vision. I think that's something we should just quickly touch on, is, is that delve into... I mean, we'd played 3D games on the PlayStation yeah, uh, we and have. we'd had that like Mode 7 on the snares. Yeah. Um, I think, especially Ocarina... Going into that 3D world, you yeah, were like, "Wow, there's nothing like this." And Mario and, and 64. There, and, and there were games on PC, but they were a bit more European. That there's not much been done like that's been as major as 2D to 3D. It's, no, it's, we've had yeah 2D to 3D, mono to stereo to surround. We've had you know composite um, to. 1080p to 4k to 8k we've seen different iterations move on with the console but it's not bigger than that 
nothing's really been bigger than because that. you're changing everything about how the game will be made. Could we imagine that the next and it's in its infancy now, but is the next big leap VR? Yeah, I surely. I mean, I was really impressed with PSVR. I don't think it's still catching on as much as um, everyone's hoping it will, but no, surely it's it's going to be the next big step. I think it needs to be there. Like these these moments that we've talked of, you know, I've had a like full immersion with with the, the as, headset, as the close VR, as I can get from two D to three D was me putting on the VR headset. Really? That, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Imagine if you're on the next. I think it, it probably. I'm not knocking any of the games on there, but it needs its big ocarina and it needs its Mario 64. Well, I've heard some people say Astro Bot's pretty impressive. Do you own one? No. Put the excuses down. Pick one up. Man up and pick one up. Man up and pick one up. That's right. So we, we've we've talked many things, but if you're picking up an N64, we would say get hold of a console. It is in best shape as you can get it. Yeah, these are get these... yourself a controller, possibly two because it's Definitely, a great yeah. multiplayer machine. Yeah, get yourself a, a memory pack. You always want that second one to be unofficial, though. Let the younger sibling have that um, little bit of a disadvantage. Oh, Tom, if you were ever on a level playing field, I think you know even a three-year-old could wipe the floor with you. The, <laughs> this is why like, I'm much better at games than you are now. It's like, well, yeah, I'm playing with. <laughs> you know, a PS3 pad wired upside down, and an Xbox pad jarred on the side of it. It's got buttons up the yin yang. I don't know what they do, and you're sat there absolutely owning me with your pro controller. I think you need to just cut the rest of us some slack. So, Roger that. You, you've gone around your little retro gaming store. You're on eBay filling your basket. You got the N64, the controller, the Rumble Pack, um, memory pack. You've doubled up on the controller. You've followed Tom's advice, listeners. If you ever needed retail advice, Tom's suggesting you buy the the poor man's controller to (laughs) give to the other player in your life, be that the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the younger sibling, whoever it is. Yeah. So they've picked up that. We're also mentioning that we think you should grab yourself the expansion pack, the jumper pack, to ramp up those (laughs) graphics. Uh, We'd also recommend looking through, trying to find, you know, the best video connections possible. Uh, as it is at the moment, so modern sets don't seem to love the N64 as much as they could do. A lot of the older machines, when you connect them up to an HD screen, look incredible. The N64 looks worse. I'd probably say, in my opinion, stick with just the standard yellow, white and red uh, leads, the composite ones, uh, and let the TV do its magic as best as it can. Definitely want the the light out for that, don't you? No graphic enhancer on full. And maybe... Is the, is the N64 a game that deserves to be on a, a great big 4K screen or is it more of something that should be dedicated to a retro room on a 14-inch portable in the corner? I saw, um, just speaking of what screen to play it on, a, um, a, I was prepared a, a, for this to go completely <coughs> off-piste, but this is reasonably... Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's like a modern uh, TV set, but it's done like with the, the back tube. Whatever oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think who it's made by. might be LG. Um, if any of the listeners know, let us hit us up. Yeah, please let us know. Yeah, I think it's, it's almost designed for, like, retro gamers. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so... If be, you're feeling a little bit... I was mentioning to pick up a TV for a fiver. Tom's pulled out the unofficial controller checkbook and written a check for a couple of million quid. 
<laughs> Either which way you want to experience N64, the core Me and Stingray have actually got shares in the company, so we're trying to just plug it. It's only me that needs restraint. It's <laughs> weak, you like a rabid dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we want to give you our top five titles as well to pick up with this if you were going to dabble in the N64. We've talked about the accessories. Uh, now let's launch into the games. If you're going to have a must-have games, if you're a, a cocktail party and some well-to-do guy says, oh, yeah, I play N64, well, let's let's see if we let's can... Let's call play. his bluff. Let's call his bluff. Let's, let's see make him look a fool. First game. We've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. Everyone will keep talking about it. Ocarina of Time, released in November 1998, developed by Nintendo. There's going to be a little bit of a recurring theme here in this top yeah. five games For you us. think you need. For us. Our personal choices. And people are probably going to hear these titles and go, how predictable. Where's Glover? <laughs> Where's Chameleon Twist? Where's Chameleon Twist? Where's Mischief Makers? Yeah. Well, for all those people, we appreciate you and thank you for listening. Get violent in the comments and let us know what we're missing out on the N64. Ocarina of Time, Tom, why does everybody need to own this? If if they're listening and you and they just take one piece of information away, Tom, why do they need this game? Sum it up in one sentence. It's just an experience, really. It's 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 beyond the game for me. But then. I hope that's not just nostalgia talking. Yeah, I well, I've played it. Really it still holds up really well, and I played the 3DS game. remake, and it was just as good as the and day I played it. Here's another reference for you: if you've never got on board the Zelda Stroke Link train before, if you're ever going to get on board a train, you might yeah. as well get on board the Ocarina yeah, of Time. That's where to get on board with those. I think. So you got on board. I started it was yeah. on the SNES. Yeah. Um, next up. We've already talked about it quite a lot. Most of these games have already talked the hind legs off. But Mario 64, I've talked about my first moments with the game. Tom, what's your first moments of the game? Memories. So I didn't pick that up for a while. Um, I'd heard people talk about it, but I was too afraid of looking uh, silly in front of the bigger boys and thought Mario was for the kiddies. So I was oh. like, yeah, I'm, I'm like playing as like this elf guy with a sword and shield and like a fantasy world uh mario is kind of like dirty hidden away in the corner oh my goodness uh, so like a little second-hand copy i picked up and uh yeah i thought it was okay um ten out of ten i've gone i've got i've gone on to play like mario sunshine mario odyssey um best of a game mario the galaxy boys aren't around. yeah yeah would you like a pez well you can't you, you kind of get older don't you and don't worry about what people think and just think that looks a really good game I'm going to play. There's some but, of us yeah. hardcore geeks who've not been caring our whole lives. Yeah. The bigger boys, yeah, I'm playing Mario. What you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> Goldeneye. And yeah. We talked this one to death, August 97, developed by Rare. You can't really say much about that. We've, we've, we've Countless nights, multiplayer and breaker, of, breaker my, of friendships. My initial feelings... When I got that game, there'd been a lot of talk about it, a lot of noise. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had already picked it up, I think, and I went and got it, slotted it in the N64. That first damn level, my goodness. Just absolutely unbelievable. Getting yeah. the sniper rifle, the way the game felt, controlled and looked. I know when we look back at it now, and I did a social post, I think it on Twitter and Instagram, where I had sort of gameplay shots of Link 
Mario and a screenshot of uh, Goldeneye. Yeah. And the face is for the guys in Goldeneye. They look so <laughs> janky now, right? But at the time, I remember looking at that thinking, and I, I use this probably every single week, but I remember looking at that thinking, graphics can't get any better than this. If I had yeah. a pound for every time I'd thought that on a video game, <laughs> I'd probably have like a slack £47.50. <laughs> I don't know where the 50p came from, but you yeah. know, these things happen, don't they? What's next on that list? Uh, next up is uh, No Mercy. Released I thought in... I'd give the ravishing Rick Rude this one. Yeah, released in November 2000, developed by Akai Corporation. Um, I mean, WWF was everywhere at school when this came out. Uh, coming off the back of WrestleMania 2000, before it, this was like ramped up to a hundred. Like the new wrestlers who were current then, um, ladder match, which we famously oh, this was in our top was, ten list, wasn't yeah. it? In the top ten episode, an, an hour long ladder match we had one Christmas just because we were not willing to give up the fight. Such Triple a great, threat ladder such a match, great game. Um, yeah, the creator wrestler felt really in depth, even even though it was quite simple. Um, so you could you can keep updating the roster along with the TV show, and it that was, was just cool. it, that was it, cool, cool feature. It launched with a really bad glitch that wiped a <laughs> game save, um, and the blood didn't work. So I remember sending my copy of the game back, and and they sent a new one out, all improved. Did, did I ever tell you my story of Mar- of No Mercy? No. Towards the end of the N64's life, I was getting a bit. I've talked about how we, you know, I didn't think it. You know, I don't like to think the bigger boys can tell me things. About <laughs> oh, they did. But well, this was completely off my own bat. Towards the end of the N64's life, I was looking for more mature titles. I, yeah. I'd kind of got a little bit. My eyes had been sort of washed out with all this neon colour, and I wanted some grit to yeah. the point where I even got like Shadow Man on the N64. Uh-huh. And towards the end, I was just so desperate for games. And I had WrestleMania WWF 2000, but I wanted the new game. But it it was out in America. It wasn't out in the UK. So I drove all the way to Leicester. Yeah. Ponied up for a full retail import (laughs) copy of uh, No Mercy on the N64. Got myself one of those strange highfalutin converter carts that you needed to play uh, North American games on a PAL machine. Right. Came all the way back, and Leicester's not exactly around the corner, guys. No. Not at all. And there was like an import video game shop there. The, the, the biggest shining light was still, you know, 100 miles away. But I drove there. Drove all the way back. Set it up. It was a different Hertz than my TV. <laughs> oh, see. no. So it was just like this flicking image. Yeah. There was nothing I could do to put it right, so I had to package it all up. Yeah. Took it all the way back to Leicester, got my money back. I know I couldn't have money out to have a credit. Yeah. So I bought Ready to Rumble Boxing on the N64, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> it was really terrible. Done up like a kipper. And then, not long after that, I got rid of the N64. So my first memory of No Mercy was really your copy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bringing it round and... And I think the first dazzling time we, that, that night we played at Christmas on No Mercy... Yeah. Was possibly the first time I'd ever played No Mercy. I wasn't so it's, it, it was WCW pretty much just, WrestleMania yeah. 2000. It was it was the same control, so you were Absolutely. still putting up one hell of a fight. Um, but yeah, a great multiplayer game. One thing I thought earlier: if this podcast ever had a T-shirt, I think it would just need to be in really bright yellow or pink letters, um, just on the front. It's a yes. catchphrase. It is, um, um, and that moves <laughs> swiftly on. To 1080 snowboarding. 
released February 1998, developed once again by Nintendo. Did you know Miyamoto had his hand on that as well? He had his hands everywhere. This is what I'm saying to you. We don't realise how many executive producer uh, um, t-shirt slogan do it. (laughs) How many um, (laughs) games he had been involved in. Yeah. He had his hand on everything. And I'm sure he probably had a hand involved in, in the machine in itself. I can't find any evidence of that in the research that I've done. I'm even I've even dug out old magazines from back in the day to have a look at some of these silicon graphics stories. Would you say there that we need to let's just touch on ten eighty snowboarding? Probably one of the standout best snowboarding games I've ever played. Yeah, it had a really good soundtrack. And it um, captured the vibe of the, the snowboarding click, or the one I like to imagine it is, where it's like cool guys up in an outline so, lodge. Yeah, it was um, it was my second title I actually picked up for the machine. I got GoldenEye uh, and the console, yeah. and then in between uh, my birthday in November and, and Zelda at Christmas, I, I got some birthday money left over. I was like, I wonder what game to buy. And obviously it being winter, I was like, oh yeah, snowboarding. That looks cool. Of course. Of course. But it Mainstream. Was. But, it but yeah, was. but it actually turned out to be a really good game. And uh, yeah, just enjoyed like doing the runs down the mountain, trying to get the best Brilliant. times and yeah. the best tricks. Um, and it didn't have many characters, but they were all quite memorable. Um, well, I'm not going to name them now, but I just like the images in my head. Yeah, um, definitely. It just had a that Nintendo style to it, it even though it was style, like, even though it had like extreme sports. Yeah, and in the time it was and... like uh, realistic graphics. Really, they weren't going for like a. I remember a cartoon. looking. At, I remember looking at that, thinking it can't get any better. Than this. <laughs> Honestly, the N64's got so many another pound in the jar. Should we do some honourable honourable mentions? Yeah, let's. Uh... If you've still got some money in your back pocket after ratcheting up and buying these gems. What else do they need to keep an eye out for, Tom? So, our honourable mentions are Donkey Kong 64, Jet Force Gemini, uh, The First Smash Brothers, Mario Party, F-Zero X, Star Wars Pod Racer, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, Perfect Dark and Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2, a, a work of art and the fact that they managed to get all that on one cart. Yeah. And at the minute, I think, commanding quite a high price. Ah, so that's what I would say. Anything we've done dusted there on the N64, Tom? Did we miss anything? No, I'm sure the listeners will let us know if uh, they, uh, they had any other stories on the N64. Yeah, we just um, want more of the stories. The yeah. smell of what sits on your fingers as you try and kill that next boss in Donkey Kong 64 got or whatever your it is. younger brother in a headlock and, and giving him a, a nuggy for uh, whooping... Whooping your bum on uh, WrestleMania 2000, <laughs> and you just won't have it. You're like, no, 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 that's cheating. He woke the sleeping giant in Tom. Yeah. He's like, no, you stayed awake till three in the morning. Either which way, I'm beating you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, now we've uh, heard rumblings from the community. When the big man makes a house call, you better be ready. This is listeners' stingrays. These guys got in touch to show us their pick up some stingrays boot. You can too. Just hashtag Stingrays Built on Instagram or Twitter or email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. And if you're listening now and you're that tech savvy, you could probably navigate your way over to Instagram. You could probably type in the search box hashtag Stingrays Boot and you can look at these as we do. Yeah. Tom, 
Oscar must have ordered a van because, oh my wow. God's got some pictures. He has got a haul here, you know, hasn't he? Tell me what you see in um, this haul that you like I can most. see um, Final Fantasy X and X2 on the Switch. That's a good pick up there. But have you noticed, he's, he's also, also picked them yeah. up on PlayStation 2 Original. He's a massive fan of that. Uh, I see he's got himself a Game Boy Colour. Uh, with, has, a, with a, a selection of games. I see uh, Jurassic Park and a Simpsons game there that I think I had. Yeah. Pretty cool. He's got himself that really cool-looking stand-up Xbox controller. Yeah, very cool funky, that. rainbow hands on it. Yeah. And he's also got himself, got himself a copy of uh, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back on the Atari. Ah, is that an Atari cartridge? It is. And it also looks with... Uh, now, these people have all, have all reached out to us on uh, Instagram. That's yeah. where the hashtag Stingray's boot has got the most traction. And it, uh, long-time listener, first-time poster, Podgy Podge, has sent in some beautiful spring-influenced boot pickups. Looks That's like awesome. Pink PS2 pad nestled uh, next to a copy of Final Fantasy and some pickups there. Uh, Resident Evil 7, The Order, amongst other things. Tom, you Look at you hinting about... there with the order, giving me the eyes of, get that finished. Oh, that, that was my uh, on-air reply to your The Sand It Gets Everywhere. <laughs> it took me a couple of weeks to get the confidence levels up, but I've decided to, through that, make the eyes at you through the medium of the order. You will play it. You will. Subtle. <laughs> uh, Retro Charged is picked in... fact, in... I'm like an order wraith. It's like a ring wraith, but for the order. I haven't got that far. This, that's not a spoiler. Is There's it a not? Lord of the Rings reference. I was going to haunt you and follow you down. Okay. And like, whenever you're not playing, I can I can like smell it and I appear. <laughs> and you like cower. <laughs> you go down to the bottom of your garden near the um, compost heap and you cower while I sort of swoop <laughs> on top of it and make worms come out of it. And if you if you're not aware, that's obviously a Lord of the Rings reference. Uh, so moving on, yes. Retro Charge picked himself up a copy of uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's the same one I got at launch. Uh, it's like a, a limited edition box bundle. Oh, I never noticed uh, this. Fan- fanta- uh, the box is up in the loft, preserved. Oh, as actually, only I have to admit, I didn't know which way. We all was... do it. We all keep the boxes where we can. I didn't know which way can. this was going to go, Tom. I have to admit, I thought you were going to tell me you traded it. <laughs> No, never. I really wanted an Overwatch book, so I So it, it. it came bundled with like a Master Sword statue uh, wow. with a sword set in the stone, which I have in my uh, gamer den. Uh, it came with a sound selection CD, so not like an official soundtrack, but samplings of the music, which was cool. Um, what, like 30 second clips of it? And, no, a bit longer, like just themes of, of like the world and oh, um, cool. yeah actual parts of the game music but um, not done in like a proper full on soundtrack so you, way you can give Retro Charge the thumbs up for what he's picked up absolutely there. he's got a great purchase there can, um, can I take this next one you can of course Chris McClum as we call him on the show ah, hero. he's actually got in contact to let us know he loves the way I say his name uh, Chris has gone and used Stingray's time machine feature to grab himself a JVC boombox <laughs> And this guy, such an eclectic mix every time. He's also got himself a Casio Pocket TV boxed. And a man after my own heart here, that sleek, beautiful looking thing. He's gone and got himself a white PSP. Uh Oh, Chris McClum. 
out there in the uh, the world. He's living the retro life, isn't Outside he? Outside of the bunker, we live through the medium of Chris McClum. We pick ourselves up these things. Uh, he's really... He's one to mix it up a little bit, isn't he, Chris McClum? Please don't feel this has to all be games-related stuff, guys. If you want to mix in something yeah. completely out there, we want to see it, don't we? Yeah. Battered copy about a friend or... We're still hoping. If they rent it, might stop us from watching it for the four millionth time. Yeah. Uh, Hayes' collection has um, got added to his PS2 library with uh, pretty some pretty good pickups here. He's got the Godfather of the game. Yeah. Uh, Destroy All Humans. Yeah. Burnout. Yeah. SOCOM Navy SEALs. Good pickup. Uh, Burnout 3. Yeah. And, I see um, you've ignored the one that you didn't know what it was at the top. Yeah, what is that? It's Dog's Life, Tom! Dog's Possibly Life? Possibly the best game on the PS2. Was that like The Sims, but with dogs? No! What is this game? It was a strange platform game made by Frontier. It was a 3D platform game where you were a dog. You speak like great experience. Did you own this? I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Well, you've been watching YouTube videos no, of it. No, I bought it <laughs> at launch. I got that when what? it first came out at launch on PS2. I did. You are a crazy man. It was hailed as a great game. And i tell you what it's got in it. It's got one of the best acoustic versions of Sweet Home Alabama. In the first level, you <laughs> right. play around a deep... You're like a dog. You're the dog of a farmer who owns like a deep south farm. So you can imagine how it is and the graphics yeah. and all that. I've played it again recently, and the graphics haven't aged well, admittedly. Okay. They've got like a stylistic look to them. I think the second level saw you move on. I think right, it, the gameplay feels clumsy now, but at the time it felt quite fresh and new. So I think I've overspoken, but I'm a, I'm obviously a fan of dogs. Um, and lastly, uh, get switched on. Uh, he's taken advantage to fill up on his uh, DS and Wii library. Got himself uh, a copy of Alone in the Dark there, look. Yeah, Art Academy. Uh, on the DS, Juice 2 on the DS, and uh, what's the last one? Cockatoo Racer? Cockatoo Racer? I don't even want to guess now. I'm a little bit <laughs> yeah. nervous. Uh, yeah. But definitely multiple pronged racer, whichever way you look at it. <laughs> and that's all the dips in the boot for our listeners. Don't forget to hashtag StingRaceBoot or emails for your pickups, email us for your pickups to be read out on the next episode. Tom, we listen at the window. There's a rumble, and it can only be the, the sound going everywhere. of a freshly hunted video game, video pirate guy on the run from <laughs> fact, the Federation against copyright. There, he screams, <laughs> he screams at the you know that way. Yeah, you like know. An absolute scoundrel. And that means, listeners, it's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy? A copy, once again, every single week, like a little tripwire in the in the grass. <laughs> I trip every single week over battle for Endor. Uh, do you know what? If we were skillful enough, and not a local ham pop at radio station, we would record that, re-edit it, and put it back in. Of course we would. Of course we would. We've got the time. We've got the production values. These are the new release highlights for this week, May 6th to May 12th, 2019. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical, or will be by the time this podcast is in your region, but could be region dependent. Tom, do you want to have a little rumble in there first? Yeah, what we got here. For the King, PS4, uh, Switch and Xbox. It's out on May 7th. Uh, it's out May 9th on the Switch, though, and May 10th on the Xbox. There you go. Um 
Must be to do with bagged like, himself a little exclusive yeah. there for a day, two days. <laughs> <laughs> um, the king is dead, murdered by an unknown assailant. Uh, now the once peaceful kingdom of Farrell is in chaos, with nowhere left to turn and stretched beyond her means. The queen has put out a desperate plea to the citizens of the land to rise up and stem the tide of impending doom. Will you put an end to the chaos? For the king is a challenging blend of strategy, turn-based combat and roguelike elements. Ooh. Each playthrough is unique with uh, procedural maps, quests and events. Explore Farrell in either single-player, local or online co-op. Just remember, adventurer, you do this for riches or for fame, but for your village, for your realm, and lastly, for the king. For the king! Um, is that your mummy mummy? Um, well, I think you phew, want the one on the No, uh, that's yeah. not... It It did uh, tweak my interest a little bit, but not quite enough to be my pick of the week. Got you in a headlock like one of the bigger boys and tweaked your boo? Yeah. Okay. But I didn't give in for that one. You didn't. You didn't squeal no, on me for that no, one. I did not. Um, well, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I'm going to chime what in else with this. Got? Puyo Puyo Champions PS4 PC Xbox Switch May seventh. Easy to learn, tough to master. Challenge friends and family in local multiplayer or compete globally via online matchmaking. Built for all ages. This puzzle game comes with surprisingly competitive edge. Meh. Tom, have a little rumble. What's next to the copy of Fortress starring Christopher Lambert? What's that? <laughs> uh, Life is Strange 2, Episode 3, Wasteland. Ooh. PC, PS4 and Xbox. It's out on May 9th. Uh, Sean and Daniel Diaz's journey fact, to Mexico... what we say is... Edit? No, not on edit, no. No. If you're a fan of Life is Strange and you haven't yet finished Episode 2... It might be one of those moments where you want to yeah, just tune out for a minute. Let's do a little spoiler warning. If you don't want to hear the blurb for uh, episode three... 20 seconds from now, Tom, go. Okay. Uh, Sean and Daniel Diaz's journey to Mexico continues in episode three. A few months <laughs> after the event in episode two, and the boys escape from Beaver Creek. The brothers experience life on the fringes of society as they befriend <laughs> a close-knit community of drifters and runaways and become embroiled in illegal cannabis trade among the towering redwood forests of California. That's an edgy story. I thought it was legal in California. We'll move on. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a... we don't do politics, do we? No, we don't. Uh, Sean and Daniel's resolve is put to the test once again as new relationships create fiction between them, and they both learn much about who they are as individuals. Uncertain about their once united purpose, can they stay together, or will their journey together end here? Ooh. Spoiler ending. Yeah. Well, hopefully Ooh. you've rejoined us now, and Tom's seamless twenty-second read through of that. Probably ended about 40 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> came back in to discover that California, California. Yeah. California case. What else we got, mate? Well. I thought you'd like this one. The green screen. I've dusted it off. I've been down the local shop. I've bought myself a tin of pledge. Come back. I've cleaned it up. I've got some of those expensive glass wipes. I've cleaned the screen down. And I've also oiled the joystick. Mummy, mummy. Please. Please. If I... Tidy Tom's bedroom and mine. Can I have Yakuza Kiwami 2 on the PC? Now you see what all that green screen cleaning was about, Tom. Oh, right. Comes out Getting May the chores 9th. in early. Well, I love a little bit of Yakuza, don't I? Yeah. Uh, Kazuma Kiryu, the dragon of Dojima, must face the ambitious Ryu Goda, the dragon of Kansei, in an all-out battle between two rival Yakuza clans. An extreme recreation of one of Yakuza's most beloved city- entries, now in stunning 4K and locked frame rate, much like Highlander, apparently. There can be only one. What uh, do you want, Tom? Uh, 
Wait. My, my pick this week. I wish... Come on. It's not just your pick, is it? What's it called? Mummy, mummy. Please may I have <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch. <laughs> How the show's evolved. Uh, yeah, so we, we did talk about uh, Mortal Kombat 11 last week. Oh, because we week. did say that the, the, the antagonist in this game holds the keys to the bunker, the one that exists in all of time and space. <laughs> Rogar, or whatever his blinking name was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's a bit delayed on the Switch. It's out May 10th. Um, but I'm glad it's got a copy. Do you know what? Fantastic. Yeah, and it seems to run pretty well from what I've seen. Uh, yeah. We'll probably have to, through the meaning of the internet, go hit up the boys at Digital Foundry to get their official opinion on that. But I should say yeah. it probably does all right. Which means that the last tongue twister has been thrown <laughs> at me. I look in Stingray's boot. And next to a copy of Sense and Sensibility in the English Patient. And and quite why Stingray's got those in there. Goodness sake. He loves the loves Maybe romantic, every once he? in a little while, under the front seat's a bit too strong. He is a new romantic, though, isn't he? So he local likes... village couples. Yeah. So he's got himself Sense and Sensibility in the English Patient tucked away with a bottle of red wine. Hokey-cokey one that he's gone and got himself. Chateau Neuf. The spring pack. is in the air, says Stingray. And enough of the mating rituals of the locals. We move into the legends, the Legend of Heroes Trials of Cold Steel 2 coming to the PS4 May 7th. Now this has got a little feature in here, Tom, I thought was worth talking about. Remastered with 4K 60fps support, a brand new turbo mode. That's not the turbo <laughs> button mode of the unofficial <laughs> controller. It's a mode to help explore the map at two times speed, battle at four times speed, it's got a Japanese dual audio option as well. It's 50% additional English voiceover lines and all, all DLC included from the start. A sequel that remembers the past. Now, this is the bit I think you will like. Completion save data from any version of the first game carries over. PS4, PS3, PS Vita. Now, that is accommodating. Yeah. Players can pick up play from their PS3, PS Vita save data. The link system enhances the game further, with net benefits including healing, guarding and more. And the brand new overdrive mode allows linked characters to attack up to three turns in a row. Recruit allies to prepare for war. Thor's attendees are scattered across the country to gain shops, goods, training modes, systems and the Trails series' highly celebrated colourful dialogue. Uh, sounds like a nice one coming out on PS4 if you're a yeah that's fan an interesting feature as well trials, um, it'd be good to series. see more games do that really like the, the only the one same. that I know of in the Sony ecosystem that makes a big deal out of using data from older versions of the game beyond PS3 PS4 mm-hmm. or whatever MLB the show ah well there's been a couple of episodes sneak by without an MLB reference Tom so I had to crack it in there yeah I get my Say so with Overwatch news. Every so, week we get some yeah. Overwatch news. You look at me with death eyes every time I dare mention MLB or Alan Wake or L.A. Noir. Mm. Mm. Uh, and before we limp into the <laughs> After 8 Mint or the Mint, that cheap little Mint Imperial that comes with the, uh, oh, the bill at the end, don't you think that you've invested all this money in this really nice food and then they serve you up this just pre-packaged mint, just fresh and go? Yeah, get give me, out. Give me your money, take your mint and get out. Give me a big tip. Now, before, go. now while they suck seductively on the mint and muse at the bill, Tom, we've got to that part of the show where we say, what are you hoping to play? Mm. 
Will I finish Days Gone? I don't know. Oh, I feel like a, He's yeah. got his chest out. Yeah. Mums is at the door, but he's making out he's the bigger boy out of the service. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon... I don't think I'll finish it fully, but that's going to be mainly what I'm putting my time into what, you, this week. Are you looking at 100% in the story? Uh, I'm only 25%. I'm sure that's what I saw I don't think I'm going to be home I've, to do it, but I want to have a good go at it as well at the weekend. I want to have a real long stretch. Yeah, well, I'm going to be hopefully picking up Rage 2 in a couple of weeks, so I kind of want to get it finished before picked, then. On that note, picked up Rage 1 recently, £1.50. I'm sure it's $1.50. Are you going to play down. that? I'm going to do a retrospective. When Rage 2, when's Rage 2 coming out? Uh, May 14th. I'm all over it. The whiteboard's obviously all linked up with the, the release dates. We're, yeah. Yeah. So We're always ahead of the curve. Maybe I'll have a play of that prior to, and we'll talk about that in there. I think you'll like it, actually. Day. What you what you what yeah. you didn't play? I enjoyed the first one. So. Well, so I'm going to do started a playthrough of Persona Four on PS2. Okay, I have to tell you, Tom. I wish I had some time to pull that on for you because it's a work of art. It doesn't even look like a PS2 game. I've always been tempted to try, especially with having the PS4 now, to try Persona Five because it's always got great reviews. Oh, it's just played Persona with my daughter and just grabbed her from the get go. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts fan. This just trying. It's the next evolution. Right, okay. She's into yeah. the turn-based battling now. I said, yeah. what do you mean you can just sit here and press X? I was like, yep. Just remember it is to... quite strategic. Yeah, kind of. I think when you first... When the enemies are low enough, you just literally hammer an X to level up, aren't you? Yeah. But then yeah. when you get into it and you the boss battles are more it's involved... It's like Pokemon back in the day where you just pick like your main move and that's it. You spam that every battle you get into. And, the, yeah, but then and then it gets more technical. I was going to say, and then you find yourself in a situation where you've not built up uh, move A enough, move B enough, and you have to then you hit someone where your main move won't work, and you're like, oh no, I've not, I've not invested any time in move yeah. B, and now I feel like a complete pony. And as ponies head to the gate to bury their head in trough, oh, that was seamless. That's all we've got time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time, and we look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. Remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. See you, Tom. Cheers, mate.